Our scripture passage comes to us from the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. This is a prayer that Jesus offers on behalf of his disciples, those who are with him there and those who will come after. Hear now these words of scripture. Jesus prays, As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they may also be sanctified in truth. I ask, not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one. So that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The word of the Lord. May we receive with wisdom and hear with joy what the Lord is speaking to the church this day. Amen. What I wouldn't do to have been sitting at table with Jesus, having him pray this prayer, hearing his words waft around us, being enveloped by them, having been drawn close. I'd have loved to just be in his presence, to soak in all that glory that emanated from him, to bathe in the aura of his spirit, to feel so close to him that I might just lean in like the disciple who, who reclined at his breast, just so I could whisper in his ear, Jesus, what are you talking about? <laughs> you see, Jesus has been talking for five chapters now. Chapter 13 and 14 and 15, 16 and all the way through 17. Jesus has been summarizing all of his ministry for his disciples from the beginning, everything he has taught them and what will come next. And here with these last words of chapter 17, I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. He brings faith to an end. That's not what you expected me to say, is it? But seriously, Jesus brings faith to an end with the last words of his last evening with them, and right away in chapter 18 begins next, it says, After these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And then things propelled qu very quickly toward betrayal, arrest, trial, humiliation, crucifixion, and death, the end of Jesus' earthly story. 
Can you imagine these poor disciples? Just think of the longest sermon you have ever sat through, and then double it, and then maybe even triple it. Then add the fact that you probably had just a very, had eaten a very big meal and maybe a little bit of wine and you're trying to stay awake, listening attentively at first. And then Jesus has been going on all evening saying important things like, I call you no longer servants, but friends. And repeating the highlights of things that he said throughout his ministry, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And on top of that, Jesus seems to be repeating himself. Way back at the beginning of his discourse earlier in the evening, he had said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and we will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer, he says. You will look for me, and as I said to the crowd, so I say to you now, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Perhaps you've heard it all before. Sitting around the table, yes, you're tired, but the thing is, you just don't know what's coming next. You don't know that Jesus will very shortly be gone. So you ask yourself, why is Jesus saying all this right now? Maybe he's repeating himself because he'll want you and me to remember it all when he's gone. Maybe when you need them most, his words will come back to you to bring you through the darkest moments. Love one another. Have I said it enough? Will I say it again? Love one another. And maybe at the risk of sounding redundant, I'll say it again. Love one another, Jesus says. Our last week has been filled with moments, horrifying moments where we are called to cling to these words of Jesus because nothing else makes sense. I read a story, a sweet story, a couple of days ago, a story in which a father is standing with his four-year-old daughter in the grocery store checkout line, and then he remembers that he's forgotten a couple of items, and he wants her to stand in line with the cart while he goes and gets all, what he needs. Now, the author of the story is an observer, and he describes this interaction between father and daughter, and he's British, so there's a couple of strange vocabulary words here. I think you'll figure them out. And this is how he remembers the event. Her tall father had to bend a long way down to speak to her, especially as the checkout line was crowded and the shop busy. I couldn't hear precisely what he said to her, but the import of his instructions and explanation was quite clear. He was going back for something, and she had to stay with the trolley in the queue. He wasn't going far. He wouldn't be away very long, but she had to stand by herself with the trolley, surrounded by strangers and unable to lift the food from the trolley to the counter if Dad didn't come back in time. So there she stood, the very epitome of faith. 
She didn't cry or moan. She didn't complain or panic. She stood still, patiently waiting for her father's return. She was the epitome of faith, for she trusted her father, and because she trusted her father, she also trusted his word. Trusting his word meant obeying his instructions and looking forward to him fulfilling his promise to return. It wasn't her doll that protected her or helped her. It may have given her some psychological sense of security, but it was of no real help. Like all idols, it needed her more than she needed it. She would protect it, but it could not protect her. Faith in the idol was of absolutely no value. Faith in her father and his word was essential, for her father was her helper and her protector. It wasn't her faith that protected her, but her, the object of her faith, her father. If he had not returned, her faith in him and his words would not only prove to be misplaced, but also of no use. However, her faith was not misplaced. He was faithful. He did return, and quite quickly. Her minutes of solitude in the crowd were not drawn out. Uh, drawn out. They may have felt long for her, but in fact, not long by the clock. Her, father was not, her faith was not irrational. She knew her father. She had learnt to trust his words. Her security in that moment came from the experienced security of a loving relationship she manifestly enjoyed with this man. She understood what he had said, what he had promised, and what was required of her. Well, perhaps this is what Jesus is up to when he tells his disciples, in a little while you will not see me, but do not worry. I will send another who is the comforter, the companion. Don't worry. Trust that I will be back for you. Perhaps Jesus, this is what Jesus is saying. Continue in your faith, in your trust, in your belief. Trust in me, trust in my words, trust in your Father in heaven, and everything will be okay. Well, thank goodness the father of this little girl did come back, right? Thank goodness that nothing happened to her when the father left her alone. We all know that this world is too fraught with dangers ever to feel completely trusting that everything will be okay. This story of innocence can seem like the farthest thing from our experience just now. But the world in which Jesus and his disciples lived was also filled with horrifying violence. And in the midst of that violence, Jesus spoke peace and love. Jesus' prayer for his disciples, disciples I'll wager, is more than keep the faith, everything's going to be okay kind of speech. What Jesus proclaims in his prayer is not the continuation of faith, but the end of faith. Now hold on, you say, the end of faith? What can you possibly mean if Jesus was proclaiming the end of faith? What have we been doing for the last 2,000 years? Have we been hoping and trusting in vain? Hoping for nothing? Indeed, what have we been doing for the last 2,000 years? If we truly knew the end of faith of which Jesus speaks, we would see our great failure to achieve that very end. In his prayer for his disciples, Jesus says something very telling. Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them so that they may be one 
as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me. Another way of saying this is everything that you have given me, O God, I have given them. The love you have shown me, I have for them. Your love is in me and my love is among them so that in the end they may be one. And when they are one, then the world will know why you have sent me so that they might love one another. It is love that makes them one and comes at the end of faith as the end of faith. Now for us, there are two meanings, at least, for the word end. One meaning leads us towards completion. Conclusion, cessation, termination, finishing, and finality, thus end, fini. The other meaning of end leads us toward a shared outcome, a purpose, a goal towards which we work as in the great ends of the church. All right. Now comes the time when Dr. the Reverend Dr. Michael Hegeman teaches you a Greek word. You can't escape it. There is a little Greek word that we need to know to understand Jesus' prayer here for his disciples, his prayer for us. The word is telos, T-E-L-O-S, telos. It means something like finish line. It is the goal to which one strives when running a race. Once you've reached the telos and you've put your foot over the line, you have come to completion. The race is over, the battle won. Alleluia. Thank you, choir. Okay. <laughs> the, the word telos is hidden in the phrase that they may be completely one. It's better perhaps to say God so work in these beloved ones that in the end they may be one. It's all I'm asking for, because when they're not one, the world may very well suspect that everything I've taught is false and you don't really love them. Now when we say, in the end may we all be one, it sounds like some, fancy word alert, eschatological goal way out there in the end way out in the future. It's aspirational, something so unachievable that we hold it out before us always as tomorrow. That way we never actually have to do anything to achieve the oneness Jesus longs for us to experience. The finish line is way out there at the end of time. Just be faithful and in the end you'll experience oneness with God and where he'll wipe away your tears and your reward for keeping your little lamps of faith burning through all the difficult years will be hearing God at the pearly gates saying, enter in, good and faithful servant. The end of faith, however, isn't getting to heaven unscathed, standing at those gates and having Jesus say, and saying to Jesus, I believed everything you taught me and I kept on believing to the end. And Jesus says, what a beautiful batch of faith you have. Come on in. We heard it a little differently in Matthew 25 last week. Jesus looks out of the crowds of those approaching heaven and he says, whoever acted in a loving way toward the least of these, 
Whoever fed the hungry, clothed the naked, visited those in prison, tended the sick, these are the ones who have achieved the end of faith. Whosoever loved one another has found oneness with God and with me and with one another. You have discovered the end of faith and crossed the finish line a long time ago. Whenever you acted in love, this is the telos of your faith. The telos of faith. It's not something far off and unattainable. To paraphrase Romans, the telos is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. And this is the word of faith that we proclaim. And sure, the end of faith ultimately is something mystical and unexplainable in human terms. It means union with God. Oneness with God. But it is also something very practical. It means that whenever we act in love and we do it together, we have achieved the end of faith which is oneness with God, oneness with Christ, but oneness with one another. Some will hear the good news of the end of faith and act in one way, taking up the mantle of service to bring about the end of division through compassionate action. How do we end violence and hatred and bigotry and selfishness, fear and the sense of lack? We act in love. We act in oneness, the oneness of God, which can only truly inspire loving action, faithful action, faith-filled action. Some will hear the gospel and turn to prayer, supporting those who create genuinely beneficial change in this world, striving toward the great ends of the church, oneness with God through loving action towards one another. And when we achieve such oneness with God, faith comes to its end. We are no longer striving for a goalpost out there at the end of time. The end of faith is as close as our nearest neighbor. We join Jesus in praying, Father, make them one as you and I are one, that the world may know and experience your great love. Only this matters. And as the Apostle Paul tells one congregation, make my joy complete. That is, bring joy to its fruition and ultimate end. Simply love one another and do it now for the time is nigh. The time is nigh. Chapter 17 has ended. Chapter 18 is beginning. Be prepared for what is next. Love one another. To God be the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.